Welcome and thanks for coming. We continue our tour through the book of Hebrews. Its main point, as we covered last week, is that Jesus is greater than, fulfills, or completes all these Old Testament things. In chapter 1, greater than angels. In chapter 3, greater than Moses. In chapter 4, greater than that Sabbath rest given by Joshua. Later in chapter 4, greater than the high priest. And since Jesus is a priest like Melchizedek in chapter 7, he's greater than, fulfills, or completes Abraham and the priests descended from him in the tribe of Levi. Last week, we saw that Jesus is greater than, fulfills, or completes that covenant God made with his people at Mount Sinai. The last verse of chapter 8 says that in speaking of a new covenant, he makes the first one obsolete, and what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. Sounds like me. Last week, I asked whether we should really talk about the Bible in two parts with Latin terms, the Old Testament and the New Testament. Hebrews says a better way would be to speak of a former covenant or a first covenant and then a renewed covenant in Christ. The point is going from B.C., before Christ, to after him is not going from bad part of the Bible to the good part, from the law to the gospel, from an angry God to a loving God. Instead, Hebrew says we're going from something that was good in God's relationship with Israel to something better, to something more excellent in Christ or in Christ alone. We just sang the whole story of that new covenant God's made with us in Christ. So, persevere with Jesus, Hebrews concludes. You would open a Bible to page 1005, and today we're doing the first 10 verses of Hebrews chapter 9. Page 1005 in the Pew Bible. And we're back to the place of last week. Last week, and again in Hebrews 9, the author talks about holy places. He means this sanctuary, a place set apart. He talks about the tent. That's the tent of dwelling or meeting of God with his people, Israel, in the wilderness. Again, so you can visualize, Hebrews 9 is talking about something that looked like this. The tabernacle or tent Moses set up in Sinai. And then it was set up right in the middle of the camp where God dwelled in the midst of his people. Today, we get an all-access tour inside that tent. So, Hebrews chapter 9, let's see this half of the room. Read aloud, Hebrews chapter 9, verses 1 through 5. Now, even the first covenant had regulations for worship and an earthly place. For a tent was prepared, the first section in which were the lampstand and the table and the bread of the presence. It's called the holy place. Behind the second curtain was a second section called the most holy place, having the golden altar of incense and the Ark of the Covenant covered on all sides with gold, in which was a gold urn holding the manna, an Aaron's staff that budded, and the tablets of the covenant. Above it were the cherubim of glory. 
but we can speak briefly. So in the first place, the holy place, were two functional or meaningful things that Hebrews tells us about. First, there were no windows in the tent, so it was pitch dark. You needed light, so there were candles. But the candles also had a very meaningful purpose. Psalm 27, the Lord Yahweh is my light and my salvation. Jesus, the light of the world. Then there was a table with bread on it, the bread of the presence. Twelve loaves for the twelve tribes of Israel to remind them God is their creator. God is their provider who feeds and cares for them each day. Jesus, again, I am the bread of life. And in the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread, the same kind of reminder. Our all-access pass continues as we go very near or inside the most holy place, or the Holy of Holies, and there was an incense altar. You burn incense, and it goes up, up to the throne of God. Already the psalmist says, May our prayers rise before you as incense and the lifting up of our hands as the evening sacrifice. And in 2 Corinthians, Paul tells us that we are the aroma of Christ to God. Then the most famous place, the Ark of the Covenant, in our all-access tour, even lets us look inside. Now, if you remember the old Indiana Jones movie, the Nazis found this Ark in the desert in Egypt, and when the guy opened it, his whole face melted. All right, we don't want to do that. But Hebrews tells us what was in there. First, a jar of manna that God fed Israel with for 40 years in the wilderness. Then the first high priest, Aaron's staff that once budded. And then I know you want to say the Ten Commandments. However, the Bible never uses the phrase, the Ten Commandments. You might find it in some English translations, but it's never in the original. Hebrews, here in chapter 9, verse 4, talks about the tablets of the covenant, that relationship God had with his people. And when 10 is used in the original, it always talks about 10 words. Why the 10 words? Or the Greek decalogue is simply saying the same thing. Why 10 words, you might ask? Because in Jewish tradition, I think they surely have this correct. The first word God spoke at Sinai was not a commandment at all. Instead, if you check out Exodus 20, verse 2, God spoke first and said, I am Yahweh, your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. That's his first word. He could have been the Amorites' God, or the Girgashites' God, or the Jebusites' God, or the Millerites' God, or the Tecatelites' God, or the Budlites' God, but he chose Israel to be their God. And then he rescued them. This first word reminded Israel of that. And we again sang earlier, Hosanna, you are the God who saves us. That was just as true in the former covenant as it is in the new covenant in Christ. Then those other nine words go on to tell Israel, and they tell us how we respond to saving grace. One last place on our tour, we get to look above the Ark of the Covenant, and there is the cherubim of glory overshadowing the mercy seat. And there, blood 
covered sin. Your half, Hebrews chapter 9. Please, you guys on this part, read verses 6 through 10. Hebrews 9, 6 through 10 tells us what happened there. These preparations having thus been made, the priests go regularly into the first section performing their ritual duties. So that was a bloody mess in there, like the color of this shirt. I still want to see a DVD of what happened at that tabernacle day to day, and especially on that day of atonement. There will be much more on that next week. Come back with Dr. Armstrong, and we will speak of Christ's sacrifice. In closing, three points. Hebrews says that all these earthly people, places, and things were gifts. Gifts of Yahweh's presence. They were means of grace and forgiveness to Israel. They're good. But Hebrews also says they're temporary. The place had not yet been open to God's throne. They're not yet perfect. They're pointing ahead until the time of. So point two, they all foreshadow, or literally in the Greek, are parables. They're all parables pointing us to Christ, who finally came and tabernacled or dwelled among us, who is our great high priest, who is the once and for all sacrifice. Hebrews uses that word five times, once for all. And so the covenant in Christ, Dr. Mueller says in his Hebrews commentary, is faultless, is perfect, is complete. Fine enough, so what? Is any of this relevant for us in our day-to-day lives, or is it all from long ago and a galaxy far, far away? My wife's a worship planner, and one day at our church, she chose as the opening song, we bring a sacrifice of praise into the courts of the Lord, and we offer up to you the sacrifice of our thanksgiving, and we offer up to you the sacrifices of joy. One of the church members told her we should not sing that song because now in the New Testament there are no more sacrifices. I responded that her argument was not so much with that song as with the author of the book of Hebrews. To be sure, there are no more blood sacrifices for sin that are necessary, but in Christianity, temples and priests and sacrifices still exist in a transformed way in our lives in Christ. This all comes together most clearly in a passage in 1 Peter chapter 2, which disappeared. 1 Peter chapter 2 says, You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices 
acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Again, Paul tells us, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? So treat it like it. St. Paul in Romans 12 calls us to offer ourselves to God as living sacrifices. And later Peter says, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood. So we are still these things. So when Hebrews comes to the end in chapter 13, a final verse for us today calls us to sacrifice to God and to neighbor as we live in response to that once-for-all sacrifice Christ, our great high priest, has given for us. Let's read these two verses together as they send us out. Through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. In Jesus' name, amen.